Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I like that. When uh, I want to encourage everyone, I, I know our numbers are small this morning, but I want to encourage everyone to be back this evening. I, it's a fun lesson. Not all, that's not the only reason to be here. Be here because I need you here. And that person sitting beside you needs you here. But it will be a fun lesson. It's some scriptures that we, we take out of context. We're guilty. And we have to work on that. I know it's something Brother Charles has been talking about recently. And so I hope that you'll be back this evening. Can you imagine living in a world where God says, I'm done. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to start over. Every thought, every imagination of man's heart was evil continually. It is real easy to get discouraged in the world that we live in today, isn't it? I think about my kids and grandkids and I think about what they're growing up with and I, I worry about that. And, and even the thought came into our mind before we had children was do we want to bring a, a child into this world? But it, it's not quite as bad as that day. Feels like it at times, doesn't it? I know. And I ask the question, and, and, I, and I ask this on, on purpose, but let me ask another so that a thought, an answer pops in your head and it's going to be wrong. I'm not psychic, I just know this. First answer that pops in your head, how long was the flood? Boom, you got it wrong. Maybe you didn't. I bet you thought 40 days and 40 nights. Let me see some heads if you thought that. No? Okay. Yeah? Okay, so some of you got it right. But a lot of times that's our first thought is 40 days, 40 nights. It's the wrong answer. It's not how long the flood was. It's how long it rained. The flood was over a year. So again, I'm going to ask, and that's the title of the lesson, what saved Noah? Somebody got it wrong. Because you thought this big boat saved Noah. We call it an ark. I saw a few heads going like this. It's the wrong answer. What saved Noah? Grace. I like it. And that's why that scripture's up, and that's why it was read. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is important. Did Noah have to have that big boat? We'll answer that in a different way. And I'm going to submit this morning that what saved Noah is the same thing that saved us. And it has nothing to do specifically with that big boat, that ark. Yeah, he had to build it. He had to get in it with all of those animals. And he had to stay there for over a year. Grace. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace.
If you've heard the the definition of grace, it means gift. Might you might even see it translated as unmerited favor, and that that's one of those it's one of those terms that we don't really use. We don't walk around and go, "Hey, I just got some unmerited favor from someone." We don't we don't say that, do we? Someone gave me a gift. We understand that. But when we think about unmerited favor and what that means, it's like, I didn't deserve it. They showed favor to me and I didn't deserve it. They gave me something. We, we've got a holiday rolling around not too long. I start thinking about that holiday about July. Okay, I'm one of those that would like to decorate in July for I just love it. And I know growing up, I always had gifts. Maybe not a lot, but but there was always something. I didn't deserve those. I was a kid. I I, I probably didn't behave well enough to get all those, but, but I got them anyway. Grace is a gift. It doesn't cost. It doesn't earn. It's free. And the giving of the gift is up to the giver, right? It was up to my parents to give me those gifts. It's up to God to give us grace, to give us this gift, isn't it? He's the giver. You think about the rest of the entire rest of the world was in sin, and God said, Noah, you found grace. We think about it in in, in our human mind often thinks, well, but he had to. He, he, he had to pick somebody. He had to keep this world going on to carry out his intent. We had to have a Messiah to save those who had come before Noah, right? That, that's how we think. And we think that God needed Noah, and that's not the case. If you were to look over to Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, Jesus was saying, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say to you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Don't think because, oh, we're, we're the Jews, we're the Hebrew people. Look at us. Jesus says, well, God didn't really need you. See those rocks on the ground? God can turn those into people. And he can make them children of Abraham. God didn't need Noah. And he doesn't need me. These are not terms and thoughts that we like to think of, and we don't like to think of them that way. God doesn't need me. It's not about needing me, is it? It's about love. God loves me. Grace comes from the love of God. He didn't have to give Jesus Christ. Now, that's hard to say when you think about who God is, what God is. God is love. So when we think about in the context of who and what God is, it's hard to say, well, He didn't have to give. He did because He's love. God loves all men. 2 Peter 3, 9. I know that I've heard Brother Charles use it. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
That gift, that gift of grace, Jesus Christ, given to all mankind, is available to all of us. I didn't say we would all take advantage of it. I said it's, it's available. Just as in Noah's time, not all are going to be saved by the grace of God. We look back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. God had given mankind 120 years. This is, this is one that you could add to this evening's lesson, although I'm not using it for this evening. Genesis 6, 3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. I've actually heard this verse used that man can't live more than 120 years. That has nothing to do with what that's talking about. Okay? But I have heard it used that way. God's telling Noah, you have a time frame I'm going to wipe the earth in 120 years. Get ready. And God waited. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 says, Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited. Waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Got 120 years. As we, we continue this thought and we think about it being a gift, God gave Noah the schematics. Okay, he told him, This is how you build it. How much did Noah pay for those drawings, those plans, those thoughts, those dimensions? Not a thing, they were free. He didn't charge him for it. I'm going to destroy man. You have 120, 120 years. This is how you build the ark. There was no cost involved. Told him what to do. And he did it. He didn't earn it. He didn't pay for it. He didn't deserve it. God gave it. Romans 5, verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Romans 5, 18. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Brethren, the gift is there for us if we will accept it. And God has given us instructions. You might even say on how to build the ark. Now, not a big boat this time. but one that will carry us to safety. But it's only going to float if it's built to design. We have to ponder, we have to think about how careful we are in following the details of His design. Because rather than going back, we don't deserve the grace of God. Noah didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God's given us the opportunity to be saved by His grace. Ephesians 2, verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. And that word quickened means made alive. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. You are saved. 
God didn't have to, but out of His love, He gave. The free gift was made available while we were sinners. Romans 5, verse 8. God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to have grace. There's no getting around it. Why would we want to? God made, and grace is that opportunity. It is Jesus Christ. It's His sacrifice. It is the opportunity to be saved. Grace saved Noah. So did faith. Noah had to have faith. Once you look at his faith, we, we don't always think about this in, those, these, in this way, I guess. A lot of times we focus on the boat and the animals and there was two and two and there was seven and seven and there was clean and unclean. And, we, we, and those are great things. They're, they're put in there for our learning. But let's, let's talk about faith. Noah had confidence in God to save him. If he didn't, why build the boat? This is not... I've, I've got a little boat behind my house. You want to go out on it, a few of us can go out on it, but not a lot. I could get eight people on it, but we're not getting any animals on there, okay? I want to stay above the water. Because we, we know when, it talk, when we talk about boats, what's important is which one? The boat and the water or the water and the boat? Okay? The boat and the water, that's the good way. The water and the boat's not so good. Okay? My little boat's not going to carry a lot of animals. Why would you build this, this massive boat? This ark, if you didn't believe God. Let's go another step. Why would you have children after? I'm going to leave that one to you to look up. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, twist the tongue over there. They were born 20 years after God told Noah, I'm going to destroy everyone. That's faith. I'm going to bring children into this world that God is going to destroy. He's going to wipe clean. And I'm going to bring children into this world. That's faith. And that's why I brought up what I did earlier. It is difficult to bring up children in this world today and bring them, bring them into this world, and it's scary. That took a lot of faith. Gathering all of the animals. We know that God would have had a hand in this, but using gopher wood is faith. Taking your family, and I, I know I use the, the term boat and ark interchangeably. Forgive me if, if it wasn't really a boat as far as to navigate. <laughs> it would have been more like a, a barge. It wasn't meant for sailing. 
Think about taking your family into this with all of these animals. Not everyone likes the smell of animals, okay? That's okay. I, I talk about the children's home because we spent many years there. Across from us was a horse ranch, and they raised some very valuable horses. I loved it. We would get new kids in, and they might not come from an area that was more agricultural. And they would they would come in on campus, and the first thing they what's that smell? I'm like, what are you talking about? That smell? Oh, it's it's the horses. They didn't like it. Now you think about being confined in this space with all of these animals for over a year with just your family to talk to. Brothers, daughters-in-laws, mother-in-laws. Do we ever annoy our family? Yeah. We do, don't we? A year in there. That's faith. This is what God told us to do. This is what we're going to do. Why even fear rain? Think about that for a moment. We're so accustomed to rain that we don't think about it. Genesis 2.5 says, Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. Noah had faith. They lived, yeah, on the same planet, but the world was different. In Hebrews eleven seven, it says, "By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing it, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith." He moved. He's warned of God of things not seen yet. We couple that with Genesis 2, verse 5. The indication, and I'll let you roll that around your brain a little bit. The indication is that it hadn't rained yet. It didn't need to. God caused the mist to come up out of the ground. If I was to suppose, and, I, and I'll leave it with that, if I was to suppose it would be an environment kind of like a rainforest, Kind of a, a cycle there that wasn't there. We have a few indications. It's going to rain. And not only is it going to rain, it's going to rain so much that you need that big wooden box to float to save yourself. What are you talking about? Okay, God said so. That's all that matters. Do I have faith in God to save me? We know that God has the power to destroy the physical world. Second, Second Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. 
with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Has anyone seen that yet? Of course not, right? We haven't. Is it going to happen? You betcha. Now, I can prepare and start building my ark, not a big wooden box and boat, right? By being righteous to God. Becoming a child of God. I can prepare, but I've got to believe that's going to happen. If I don't believe that's going to happen... God has the power to save. Yeah, He's going to destroy this world because He'll be done with it. It won't be needed anymore. God has the power to save the faithful. John 14, 2 and 3 in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am there, ye may be also. I love that. Revelation 14.13, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do Follow them. God's watching. God knows. And then our faith in God should push us to believe that God will eternally save the faithful. That God will eternally destroy the unfaithful. He will destroy all of creation, the physical world. He will destroy Satan, not obliteration like he's going to destroy this world, but in eternal punishment. And we have. We, we've been tasked with getting the world and our families ready. It's our job. And even though we've not seen it before, we haven't seen it happen, it's, it's just as real as that flood was. The last of the three things. We had grace. We have faith. What saved Noah? Obedience. Got it. In the end, that's the last of the three things that saved him. God told him when. Now you've got 120 years. Get your house in order, right? He told him how. I'm going to flood this world. And he told him why. Because mankind is, is evil continually. Every thought. God has told us. How? And He's told us why. We don't know the when. The Scriptures tell us today is the day of salvation. So when? Today. When should we be preparing? Today. Every single day. Obedience can't be separated from grace and faith. Each was vital in Noah's salvation. Uh, if you left one part of it out, if you leave the grace out, Noah's dead. Right? If you leave the faith out, Noah's dead. Because if he didn't have faith, he's not going to build that ark. If you leave obedience out, where's Noah? He drowned just like everyone else. I want to submit one more. Not to that list, but to think about. 
If Noah hadn't obeyed every command of God, it wouldn't have worked. What do you think about that? God specified the type of wood. I know we talk about this a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to because it's such a, a crucial thought when we think about I don't have to know what gopher wood is. I don't know what gopher wood is. But Noah did. And that's what mattered. You use this type of wood. God didn't have to say, now, now Noah, I understand you've got these thoughts going on and, and these other woods are as good, so let me just clarify. It's not oak. Okay? It's, it's not maple. It's not sycamore. It's not walnut. It's not maybe some wood that, that would be really good for shipbuilding. It's gopher wood. Let me just draw this list up of all the woods that I've created so that you know what I'm talking about. See, God didn't have to do that, did He? He said, you just go for it. And that leaves everything else out. And I'm sure that you see the application of that as well, don't you? In our worship, in our daily lives, uh, we think about our worship in particular. God doesn't say have to say, well, okay, what I mean is not these things. All he has to do is say, I want this. And that leaves everything else out. God specified the size of every bit of the ark. Noah didn't have to question it. He was specific. He even told him, here's who goes in. Your wife, your sons, their wives, eight people. I think God has been specific with us as well. He's told us how to organize the church. He's told us how to worship. He's, he's told us how to, live, how to live a righteous life even in an unrighteous world. That leaves everything else out, doesn't it? One of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 5.15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This word circumspectly, if you were to look it up, the, the easy definition means exactly. But when you look at kind of where this word comes from, it's, it's kind of like the idea of a line. It might be a circle. And if you, if you think about, see that you walk circumspectly, it, it's, it's as if God said, okay, here's your life, and here's, here's a circle around it. I'm going to draw a circle around it. And you have a lot of liberty. You can move around in that circle. And you can do these things, and they're okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you stay inside the circle. And, and it would be foolish to step outside that circle because I'm saved in this circle. But I'm lost outside this circle. And so when he says there, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools... Who are they? They're the ones that don't walk exactly. That step over the line. As Christians, we do have to walk the line. Be cautious with everything that we do. God pay, pays attention to details. Study the book of Exodus. 
I can guess where you start zoning out as you're reading and studying Exodus. It's right about the time of the giving of the law because then it goes into, about that last half of Exodus goes into all the details of building the tabernacle and our brains kind of zone out. Now we can follow the life of Moses and, and we, the, these are stories, and, but when we get into all the hooks and the latches and, and the curtains, you know why it's there? Because it's details. God cares about the details. What if Noah, and I'm going to throw this out for you to ponder, what if the window on the ark had been the wrong size? I'm not telling you what would have happened, because I, I, I can't do that. But I'll propose God didn't need Noah. We, we Again, we assume that like, well, God would have overlooked it. Tell that to Nadab and Abihu. I know Brother Charles brought that scripture up not long ago. Tell Nadab and Abihu that what fire they used didn't matter when God struck them down dead. And we think about things like, well, the size of a window, it doesn't matter. He was building a boat. Boats float. Guess what? I drove over the bridge just over here. There was a boat that wasn't floating. But it was a boat. Boats float, right? Going back to that, what's, what, what's important? The boat in the water, the water in the boat? Let's just propose that that window was too big. It was bigger than what God said. It wasn't the way that God said. How much rain was coming down that it flooded the entire world? We know the water came up as well. But water was coming down. That water had to go somewhere. So if it was too big, where would some of that water go? Okay. You see where I'm going. What if that window was, was too small? Just think about this. It's too small. What happens if we go into a room that is sealed tight? We have a limited time, don't we? Okay? Put this room and fill it with a bunch of animals and us and never open a door and seal it up and have just a little bitty vent on the wall here. We're all going to die, aren't we? Because there's only so much oxygen, we'll use it up and we'll die. It doesn't sound so crazy when we think about God knew how big that window needed to be. It just might not have worked. We know it wouldn't have been God according to God's plan and we know how God feels about that. God specifies who enters the church. When He specified who, who entered the ark, God specifies who enters the kingdom. Colossians 1, 13-18 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 
who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. That scripture started off talking about the kingdom, ended up talking about the church. One and the same. We go to what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the same time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say, Unto the except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We know in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. That they had been told to repent and be immersed in Acts 2, verse 38. And that they were doing so. In Acts 2, 41, it says, They that gladly received His word were immersed. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Obedience to God is contrary to what the world teaches. But it's exactly what God teaches in His Word. It was required for Noah and it's required for me. Brother, if we want to be saved... We have to have grace. God gave it. Grace has been given. The gift given. The gift is Jesus Christ. It's His sacrifice. God did His part. He did the hard, the hard part. The work. He did it. Now it's on me. Do I have faith in God to do what He says? Do I have faith in God that He will save me? And am I willing to obey Him? Every one of us, we need to look at our lives. Have I put on Jesus Christ in baptism and become a child of God? Washing away my sins. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? Think about all those people outside of the ark. When that door was closed, what, what do you suppose they were doing? Trying to get in. Knocking on the side, let me in. When the bridegroom cometh, the virgins that were ready, they went in. But the ones that weren't, weren't allowed. Are you ready? Have you become a child of God by putting on Jesus Christ in baptism? If you have, brethren... Rather, we stumble. We make mistakes. We think about how many times the, the Israelites, the children of Israel, stumbled. They made mistakes. They turned completely away from God. And God kept saying, come back to me. If you have become a child of God, but you've turned away from Him, God is there waiting for you to turn and come back to Him. If you have a need, please let it be known. 
Let's all stand and sing. Please turn over to number 257. 